You want to go ahead and talk? <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new edition of Word Bros. My name is Bob. And I'm Kevin. Yes, and we are joined today. We have a very special guest. Uh, he is running a wonderful Kickstarter. His name is Jay Gonzo, and he is running a Kickstarter for his book, La Mano del Destino. Which is an amazing book about luchadors. And in this world, like, well, actually, we'll just let Jay tell you about everything he's doing with the book. Because, <laughs> because if I tell you about it, it's going to cheapen it in some way, and, and I don't want to do that. So if, if he tells you about it, it's cool, but Unless I'm wearing his wrestling mask while I tell you about it. We'll talk about that later. Well, that's advertising. We'll talk about that later. No, I just feel like I just don't want it to be a uh, a precursor like like the interviews curse or whatever. Jay Gonzo, <laughs> I couldn't get on the Twitch stream and it was all ruined. Zoom ruined everything. Uh, I should also warn you, my internet's been real weird today. My wife's been trying to like update her operating system and download a couple of things, and it's like okay. given up on her a couple times. If it happens, I'll reset. I'll, I'll I'll reconnect as soon as I can. So that's fine. Apologies. I want to blame Arizona's you know Cox Communications for that. That's not that's not me. It is a-okay, and if worse comes to worse, that's what editing's for. None of this is live, so we can just edit it all together. Yeah. Cool, cool. Hey, what is your guys' policy on, like, swearing? Are you guys, a, is, you have an explicit tag? You can say whatever the fuck you want to. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, as you might have guessed, I've been doing a ton of these in, in the, the wake of my Kickstarter. And, and yeah! Different people have a, a lot of different policies, so I've been trying to be a good boy. But I do have a tendency to swear a lot, especially when it's stuff I'm excited about. Well, I, I hope you swear as much as you want to because you should be excited about this Kickstarter because uh, La Mano del Destino is on Kickstarter right now. Uh, we have Jay Agonzo on the podcast. We're really excited to have you on, man. We're both fans of your work. I picture issue one up, what, two years ago? Was it two years ago? Yeah, because there wasn't a Heroes this year. So last year at Heroes, yeah. uh, Kevin brought me over to the table. We bought your stuff. We were, I was super impressed with it man so i'm glad this is happening for you this is awesome yeah thanks for having me on guys really appreciate it of course sure yeah, how um, are you guys holding up where are you guys at anyway let's let's we can do this on the air we'll just yeah that's fine i'm in virginia and bob's in ohio so okay what part of ohio i'm in cincinnati ohio okay i've, yeah. I've driven through there on my way to columbus before it's cincinnati's <laughs> cool like i dig it it's a they got a lot of parks around and stuff it's a nice place to raise a family we're enjoying ourselves here you know, the last time I drove through there, I was listening to that serial they did on the Cincinnati uh, justice system. Mm. It, it did color my view of how I was driving through Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> they've had some issues in Cincinnati, from what I understand, but I guess they kind of have it. See, it appears they have issues everywhere, which yeah, is yeah. just kind of the crux of the matter. Yes. You know, I live so. in Phoenix, so I, I, I can't really say anything about, uh, you know, Prejudice judicial systems. Well, Phoenix. I mean, that's where what uh, uh, is Sheriff that Steven Joe was from. That's is not the sheriff. Oh, that's, that's, that's sheriff that he Joe. Likes. No, okay, like, yeah. Segal Joe likes Joe that Ohio? dude. Yeah, yes, yes, that's, exactly. that's the, the dude that Segal likes, right? Yeah, that's he, the dude he's got that, the, yeah. the Ten City out there. He's actually gone. He le he left uh, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. I think he's trying to run to come back though. He he got or he, I think he retired and then now he's trying to come back. Um, yeah, he's, he had the 10 cities, you know, he would just, he got surplus tents from the army and just built the city on the desert. It's crazy. Prisoners out there. He's got the striped uniforms and the pink underwear. So because his uh, prisoners were stealing underwear, so he made them all wear pink underwear so that no one would want to steal it. Man. Uh, yeah, he brought chain gangs back. He's yeah. a real scumbag. Like, yeah, you, you know, he's awful because John Oliver has done a piece about him on his show. So if, if you're that level awful, then that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, he, he is a, he's a cartoon character is what he is. 
but uh, but somehow looks moderate these days. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> That's a whole other topic that we could talk about on we another could, podcast. Yes, you know? uh, we, we would we would be lost talking about politics and not comics. So oh, yeah, my, yeah, fir- exactly. yeah, my yeah. first question is, why would you do this to yourself to run a Kickstarter that lasts sixty days? What are you fucking it's nuts? Twi- like it's twice the uh, normal like level of <laughs> Kickstarter stress. What are you trying uh, to yeah, do? Exactly, because uh, I I didn't have enough stress in my life. No, the, the, the real answer is, uh, so the, the book itself is, it's a bilingual flip book, right? So it's, it's in English and Spanish. Uh, and if you go check out the Kickstarter video, I kind of explain how a flip book works. Because a lot of people, uh, surprisingly, even comic fans don't understand how a flip book works. And so each, you know, the Spanish half and the English half both get a cover and they both get to be in the front of the book. It's just how you hold it that determines mm-hmm. which is the actual front. And because uh, I didn't want one language to seem... Um, like an, an addendum to the other, right? Like, oh, it's really in English, but we also have Spanish. Like, no, it's in English and Spanish. Uh, and you get all six issues. It's a complete story arc in both English and in Spanish. You get the, you know, the full story in both languages. But because of that, it's like a niche audience that's going to kind of appreciate this, right? Mm-hmm. And it was my contention that, like, the reason I did the book was because I was kind of, I felt that, like, the Latino audience was, like, sorely underserved by the comic, you know, especially with representation. And just the kind of representation you saw was very one-sided and one-note. So I really wanted to exemplify the kind of, you know, vibrant, you know, vivid beauty of my culture and get away from like, you know, cartels and sepia tone. And I also wanted to get away from, from, uh, you know, like luchadors being portrayed as like a punchline or a joke because they're heroes to me. So in, in doing all of that, like my whole effort has been to get this kind of niche audience and, and doing, uh, thank oh, I see that. Nice. And in doing that, what? I, um, what did you see? I thought you were pointing at a post. I thought you, oh, geez, that's not, I thought you had a, not you're pointing at the poster behind you. And it's not. I thought it was El Santo for a second. No, no, but I am wearing my Lucha Bros T-shirt. Bros. There you go. Oh yeah. Because it's AEW tonight, and I got to watch AEW after this is over. I still have seen zero minutes of that. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. I've seen hot. No, I haven't even seen highlights. I just I hear about them on podcasts. I've been working too hard to really check them out. Um. So so anyway, uh, but what I found that in in, over the past decade of selling these comics at at shows and stuff is that I, I really am serving an underserved audience like people who see it and dig it like like come and like really appreciate what i've done here and so but i know that in order to get to that audience they've been so underserved by the comic direct market for so long that their ears aren't even out for it anymore right like they don't even know to listen to it and so your typical like uh you know get a newsarama article or a cbr article whatever that's not going to reach these people like i literally have to go to them to, to show them what it is and, and all I'm doing you know so it's, it's me you know doing like a trunk show like I'm just driving around <laughs> trying, trying to show it off uh, and and because of that and because the audience is kind of niche you know I, I really um, I wanted to give myself as much time as possible like I wanted to make sure you know because we've all done that thing where we find about a, find out about a Kickstarter like the day after it closes you know yes. like the, or a week after like I didn't even hear about this and that's for stuff that's on that's mainstream and on our radar like it's stuff we should have known about I mean, like Lucha Libre comics that are done in this kind of Silver Age style that are this weird kind of like, you know, metatextual uh, relic from a time that didn't exist. Like that's, it's a specialized thing and it's not for everyone. And it's definitely, you know, even if I got it on the news, like even if I got CNN to report it, the audience I'm going for probably still wouldn't see it. So I'm kind of <laughs> like, I, I kind of have to get out there and like I've been doing, you know, a ton of shows and, and, and a ton of, you know, media trying to get it out there just, just to let them know that it exists. And, and there, there is this thing that is very much for you should you want to enjoy it, come check it out, you know, um, and, uh, it, and, you know, it, it's going well so far and, and, um, you know, but I just, I need to, I, I, I was never going to be one of those things that funds like in a day and then, you know, like, and then it's all just gravy from there. So it's like, if it was, you know, 60 days of worry, 30 days of worry at my age, it doesn't matter, you know, what <laughs> is time anymore? <laughs> See, know? but, but, but in, in a way though, I think, you, you know, you're also, I don't want to say because you would know your audience better than I would, but I also think fans of great comics are going to dig this book. Like it is, a, it is kind of niche in a sense because it's a wrestling book, but it's not a wrestling book because it's also like a lucha libre book. But I think that the work is just so strong on its own that you can just attract people that just dig your art style. It was an easy sell for me to sell it to Bobby because I just said it looks like Kirby drew a wrestling comic, and <laughs> like yeah. it's it's got Kirby crackle and like but the colors are not like it's Kirby. great. It's like seventies yeah. colors with Kirby. Like it's so great. Like when I saw it the, for the first time, I was like, this book is just amazing looking. Like oh, he draws yeah. like wrestlers really good. Yeah, it, it draws people in on that kind of Silver Age aesthetic, and and the reason I did that is because 
the story is set in the 60s, so I wanted it to look like a 60s comic book, which is why it's on uncoated paper, and, like, the blacks aren't quite 100%. They overprint the color. Like, it literally <laughs> looks and feels and smells like an old comic book because it's on that uncoated paper. You get the ink in the paper, not on it. And it's, you know, that absorption print uh, as opposed to evaporative, like, it, it, it gives off a sense. So, pe But people who like the smell and feel of old comic books are, you know, they're not the same people who are, you know, buying, um, you know, the... They're not the same people who went and saw the Joker movie. Let's just say that, right? That's like, true. That's so true. There's a, there's a casual, you know, there's a kind of comic fan that's the preponderance of fans, you know, or a good chunk of them. But there is enough of them who do appreciate like what I do. And I, I found that like, if, if you know, what I've done is I've taken the '60s aesthetic and I've kind of shifted the color, shifted it over to like a Latino color palette to give it that kind of bright vibrance that I like of of lucha libre and of Latino culture, specifically Mexican culture. And, and um, you know, in trying to showcase like my, you know, what I love about comics and, and the people who have, uh, the people who it catches their eye, like the people who walk by my booth and just like take a second to like, like look, oh, what's this? And then come and check it out. Like they generally like dig it and will want to buy it, right? Yes. But there is a whole slew of people who it just, you know, it just does not register. Like it doesn't click anything in their head because they have no attachment to to Kirby or to, you know, to, to, to old comics at all. Or like the, the look and feel and smell. Like they don't, you know, I, I've seen people open my comics up and like one of my favorite things is to watch them pull it closer to their nose because they want to get <laughs> it there. But there's also, you know, like there's, that, there's an age group demographic maybe that kind of appreciates that. And then some people just kind of, you know, kind of don't. Uh, and, 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 I, and I know that the ones, the ones who aren't, it doesn't click with like I'm never going to be able to sell it to them yes <laughs> and the ones who it does are going to come back for every issue and to me that's more important like there's a real specific person I made this comic for and those are the guys that that you know that uh, they've been there for me for all of these years through like all of the delays and you know and how long it's taken me to get the whole arc together everyone's always ever been no, nothing but cool like they're always like man it's cool take your time stuff's great we're gonna wait for it that's awesome and I appreciate that yeah so I mean you know and, and the comic itself is a uh, uh, you know uh, it's a comic book ass comic like i love telling people like that's, i mean you know, it, it, it's a comic book it's not my movie pitch it's not my tv pitch it's not and it's not apologizing for being a com being a comic book like there's giant sound effects there's you know uh, i have no thought bubbles is the only thing that kind of in retrospect oh, come on it's the I, 70s man I it's know, the 70s i, I wish i i wish i would have put more or some thought bubbles in there i just i had started with kind of like dual narration boxes kind of like the modern equivalent to thought bubbles just because of like when I I know, uh, you um, know what I'm out. I'm out. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, the interview like, is over. Uh, in my head, it's still someone talking to, to you. They're not. Yeah. It's not internal. But anyway, I uh, in you know it, besides that, it's like it. You know, it, there's a confession of artifice. Like I let you know that this is made up. Like this is a story, and then go along for the ride. And that way, you're not constantly trying to evaluate its realism you can just go with the story, right? No, it's the same thing with our book, with Metal Shark Bro. It's like, yeah, yeah. if you believe the opening page, then you're good for anything we want to do from there. And, I'm, and there is a similarity, I think, in our titles. They're very different, obviously, okay, yeah. but it does, it scratches an itch of a certain person. And so, like, when you're doing all these shows and you're going to all these places, do you find, like, the actual comic book fan the actual fan of comics is kind of dwindling away or are you just kind of, do you just try to kind of carnival bark it to everybody or can you just look at somebody and go, they're not going to be interested in my shit. Uh, I, I just say hi to everybody. Okay. You know, like, that's my Same. thing. Like, I'm, I, I'm never going to be a barker because that just turns people off. Um, you think so? And I, I think <laughs> because, yeah. I think because of what I do, I, I have a qualified audience I interact with. And so they're all super stoked that I made a comic book. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, you know, so it's hard for me to say that whether or not they exist, because I'm only ever interacting with the people who like comic books, you know, like, cause, like I said, I make comic book ass comic books. And those guys are like, holy shit, this is a comic book ass comic book. Like, yeah. And so, like, you know, 95% of my interactions are with them. And so I, you know, I go away from a show going like, shit, man, people really dig comic books here. And See, then, it's you know, weird though. Cause sometimes when we leave a show, I feel the exact opposite way. Like I feel that like people enjoy the culture, but they don't want to read the books. They just want to see it on screen. Or they want to go to the Comic-Con for the experience. Yeah. They're, not there. They're not there for the comics necessarily. They're there for everything but sometimes. And it's weird trying to sell your comic to someone who's not like trying to buy any comics. <laughs> I think I self-filter my own audience. And so I only ever deal with comic people who are enthusiastic about comic books. You know, it's like, it's rarely that a cosplayer stops by or it's, it's rare that, that just a, a person who's like a looky-loo, you know, comes yeah. by. 
um, you know, I, I uh, so, it, it, you know, it's hard for me to say. I mean, I've done well at shows. Uh, I, I think my enthusiasm for my own work, I mean, I, people can smell the love on a thing, right? Like, they sense mm-hmm. when you love what you're doing. Yeah. And, and, and it'll bring in people who love comics. And, and so, uh, I've, I have yet to go to a show where uh, I feel like it's shifted in a way that has been, um, the, where they're taking over, like where the looky loos and the, the the people who are just in the movies. Like I don't think they're the preponderance of people at shows, but I also kind of uh, regulate what shows I go to. Like I don't get <laughs> like I did San Diego, and uh, I was in the small press area. So just being in that area kind of winnows out all of the people who would want to see cosplayers and and uh, you know. Like when you're across from Bean World, like there's not a lot of people who are just looking for for stars to take pictures of, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're kind of, uh, you know, we're uh, we're self-filtering again to, to to qualify our own audience, and so, you know, and I did I did fine at San Diego, but not not so. But that was a, a kind of an eye opener too. It's like I did as well at San Diego as I did at like Phoenix, you know. Mm-hmm. So good show, but also you know, 130,000 people versus 80,000 people, and I did the same amount as San yeah. Diego. Right, so, and you, you know, probably spent a shit ton more money getting to well, San Diego than you did live being at home in Phoenix. When I say I made the same amount, I mean that that still takes off the hotel. Yeah, price yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, you know, but but yeah, exactly. So if I had you know if I had had a a friend I could stay with in San Diego, I would have done really well at San yeah. Diego. You know, but and there, you know, it, it there's still cool stuff to be found even in a place like San Diego. But you know, I, I don't think it was just such a hassle, like just the getting in and out of there like they they kind of don't give a shit about comic books small press people you know? <laughs> and then i'll do a show like heroes and they're like they'll hold a spot for me and they make sure that someone's there to help me load my shit in and they're like you know they're they're about the comic books like they, yeah. they want uh they choose the creators really well there whereas like you know uh, i'm at the kids table when i go to san diego for sure well i've always told it. i've always told creators that you need to do heroes heroes is a comic con like people who go there they want to buy art they want to buy comics like that's what they believe and that's what they want to do and we're also not competing with you know the some red shirt from star trek from 40 years ago you know know what i mean like (laughs) they're not even there so i don't have to worry about uh you know 11 from stranger things being on a different floor than me than everybody's in line up there (laughs) like that's how phoenix is man it literally has like multiple floors of stuff and i've had people go down to like the, the floor where like the vendors and everything are and be like oh, oh you know how long you get like have they always had this stuff down here i'm like this used to be the show like <laughs> the upstairs stuff is not so like that's add-on that's that's an addendum um but uh i mean yeah like you know i do uh, even a show like new york that's huge like i do i do you know the artist alley is kind of a, a way enough that people kind of know to go there who are in the comics so mm-hmm. i just i don't do like i wouldn't do you know i'm not just showing these cons but like you know i'm not gonna do dragon con like i don't think i'm gonna do yeah, yeah 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 like uh, nor would I kind of, you know, know that I could uh, do SPX. You know, like I don't know, like that. That's necessarily my my jam. I think the closest I do to XPX is I do CXC and SoulCon in um, in Columbus, right? Okay, like, yeah, that's a good show. It's really good, and it's also they do a, a brilliant job of, of like kind of the breadth of talent that they have there, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not all just. Uh, you know, shoegazy, like um, auto-bio comics that are done in a crude style and two colors and done on a risograph, right? It's not like just a sea of that where it's like, oh, here's like my donut shop experience this month, you know? Yeah. You know, you have guys there who are also doing, uh, you know, big bombastic stuff and, and, and people who have like some mainstream success and, you know, got me doing Lucadors and and, uh, and we all get along. So I think the way that that um, that, that Jeff and uh, and Tom used to, you know, used to run that show like was was pretty good mix of of not being elitist or up its own ass i would probably say probably a better <laughs> i think there are shows that get up their own ass in a lot of different ways when it comes to you know celebrity signings when it comes to uh you know being super ultra indie and having that kind of indie cred and then also you know i, I think heroes and i think uh, cxc is really good at uh, at qualifying you know at curating their audiences or their or, i'm sorry or curating their vendors and then you know, in in addition to CXC, I also do a show uh, that happens the uh, called SoulCon. It happens in Columbus the day before that show even starts, and that's all black and brown creators. Yes, and uh, and that's like, and I do a lot of those. I do like a Latino Comics Expo. I do like a lot of Latino Comics Fest. I do SoulCon. I did uh, BCAP in uh, San Francisco. Like, and those I I do really well at. You know, and those are actually one of the cool places where you can see that where you guys you have guys doing shoegazy introspective stuff, and then people like, oh, this is my hero. But it just happens that these are all the heroes are usually people of color, right? They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's representation in a way that you don't 
that you only see being given lip service by like bigger companies, right? Like, you know, they're, they're saying they're being diverse because they changed Thor to a black woman for a day or two. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's, you know, it's disrespectful to the audience just to, to translate your white Anglo hero into brownness for a, a month or two or even a year is not inclusion. That's just, you know, it's, 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 you know, uh, brownwashing, right? It's just kind of, you know, it's a half-hearted attempt at like, oh, here we, you know, we translated this, uh, you know, we translated Steve Rogers' blonde, blue-eyed Captain America into Spanish for you. You know, there's your inclusion. They're like, he's like, you know, intrinsically not Latino. Like, why would that, you know, why would that resonate with that culture? But, you know, I, they're, you know, I, I think their hearts are in the right place when they do that sort of thing. I just think much like Disney and the whole Coco debacle where they try to trademark the end of this coast, like. I mean, they were trying to like make something authentic, but they didn't realize how, in doing so, they were doing the exact opposite of what they were trying yeah. to do. And you know, right. just, they just you know they're just unaware. They're they're blissfully kind of live in a world that doesn't have to consider those sorts of things. What, what's the old expression? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And, and in there's some cases, German, yeah, yeah. There's a German word I just learned that means to screw something up while trying to fix it. I, I, it's a huge <laughs> German word, but it's like isn't it like Schroeden? Schadenfreude. No, no, no. It, no. It's not that. It's uh, uh, I'd have to look it up, and I, I would terribly mispronounce it. But there is like specifically like like that woman who tried to restore that fresco of Jesus, and then yes, that it, poor, it's, yeah. It's, there's a word for that exact thing. <laughs> right? Trying to fix it and screwed it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's our that's our lives, though. So yeah, you've got yeah. this thing going. It's yep. going for 54 more days. We'll probably put this thing out on Monday, so it'll be like 50 days from there. But okay. I mean, you've made a lot attraction so far dude i mean yeah ten thousand dollars in like what six days is pretty damn that's good, good. Yeah. that's really good it's five yeah. it's five full days at this point but okay this is our sixth day so yeah we, you know we reached 10k which is great we're 25 percent funded you know or a little more than 25 percent funded at this point it's on track to fund and i should point out like uh a the book is completely done like you're, you when you when you back me you're not waiting on anything like that's I just, nice that's nice i have to call my and it's, i just have to call my, my printer and go print Print this, this <laughs> and then we'll mail them out. And he's great. Like I, I'm dealing with an in-house uh, Tempe, Arizona printer. I can go do press checks. He's great. He knows. Uh, he knows what I'm trying to do. So he's going to meet my uh, delivery dates. I've told him when it's going to close. What you know, the expectation might be, kind of bracket-wise. He, he assures me he can do it. My only concern about delivery before Christmas is the post office right now. And I, I that's above my pay grade, man. I can't fix that. So yeah. I'm, hoping, I'm hoping it exists and can still make deliveries on time. No, um, I mean I've spent the past month just writing my congressman just saying like yeah. if you shut the post office down man all i'm fucked like all you know my business is ruined granted i don't tell him i create small press comics but still <laughs> i'm a businessman who lives in your district bro yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't matter <laughs> uh, i think for whatever reason i don't know why phoenix seems to be pretty unaffected by it that's good i, that's good. I kind of think uh it seems to me that kind of more liberal areas seem to be hurt by this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it might be the more, you know, the ruby red Arizona that I live in might be actually helping me out. So they're going to make sure their gun catalogs get to where they need to go. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, no, no rain nor sleet nor snow is going to stop that. Um, but so, yeah, so I'm, I'm feeling good about it. And uh, and I'm just kind of doing, you know, I'm getting out there on, on podcasts and stuff and letting more people know. So I, I think it's only going to get better. I'm sure it's going to fun. And then the other thing is like, I'm not listen to that. Hold on, though. I want you to, you're just, I, I mean, that. the way you just confidence. breeze through that, I'm sure it's going to fund. It's like, God damn, that's just the confidence you're oozing is, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. But the audience amazing. is there, and I'm, I'm willing to do the work to go find them. And so that's why I think, and it's, so here's the reason my number is so specific on my goal is because it literally just covers the cost with like a 5% difference. And so Kickstarter takes a piece, you know, there's tax on everything, all of, you know, there are, you know, so there are uh, uh, what's the cost beyond my control and there's the cost of printing it and the cost of shipping it. Yes. And and uh, I did all the math on that. And then I, you know, I added tax, I added the Kickstarter's percentage, all of that. And then I added, I gave myself 5% in case shipping ends up being more or, you know, unexpected expenses. And that's and that's the number. You know, I could have rounded up. I could have said, okay, let's do forty thousand. Like, but I'm like, nope, thirty nine, four twenty four. Like, that's the number. Uh, it's like buying a new car. How much yeah, is that car? Thirty four nine thirty four. People, they're they're not paying me my page rate. Like, I'm not like I'm not getting. You know, I'm getting. I, I'm not trying to make money off of this. I'm just trying to not go broke doing it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I just yes. I don't want to be on the hook for like. You know, and I easily. And here's the thing too. A lot of people will kind of do this and will play this game. 
where I could have set the the goal amount for like lower for about half of that. And then once it funded, know that it would fund even more and go over my goal because people saw that it hundred percent funded. Yes. You know, like, you know, Oh, you look successful. So people want to back it. And I just, you know, when it comes to this kind of money, man, like I, I can't be like, you know, if, what if I only hit that goal and now I, now I have to cough up the rest of that money. It's like, I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to be like, Hey, here, you know, if you, if you guys, you know, and, and also I don't have exorbitantly high reward goal numbers. It's just the, it's mostly just the book and a few little art items that I can get in the same envelope as the book. Cause I don't want to have to be shipping giant posters and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's office the way it is. It's like, I want to be able to make sure. I, and it's all stuff in my control too. Like I'm not getting shirts made. Cause like, I don't know if my t-shirt company is going to be in business tomorrow or what happens when they try to ship it to me, if their yeah. shipping is going to get screwed up. So like those prints I'm screening myself, like the, you know, all of the stuff, the, the doodles I'm doing myself, everything that, you know, the masks are the only thing that are being made by a mask maker. And that's why I'm only doing like 20 of them. And I think <laughs> the people who, who kind of pledge at that level, you know, if I have to send them the book and everything else that they get and then send them the mask later, they'll probably be okay with that. And, and that's the one thing I'm willing to kind of like, you know, uh, like maybe ship twice. And at that point, I'll eat the cost on that printing then, you know, cause it's only like, it's only 20 of them and it shouldn't cost that much to print a mask and it weigh that much. But <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm just trying to like cover my cost here. Like I'm really, you know, and, and, and I will, you know, I'm going to hand sell as many of these things as I have to. And, and so my number ends up being right about 800 people I break even. And that's just, just selling the books right now. Yeah. I could have easily padded that out by, by selling things that like, Oh, you know, um, uh, things that would cost more money, like original art or, or commissions or what have you. And part of me may do that. But again, I, I want to be able to get that all to people in a hurry. Yes. So I don't I'm going to like, tell you, I'm going to tell you flat out. If you do a commission tier, you got a guy right there, right there. <laughs> that guy right there will, will buy a Dusty Rhodes commission. We've oh, already right. talked about this. Yeah. I think I'm going to be doing some things on the side to kind of raise some money for this too. And then, then I will just pledge that back into my own Kickstarter. Like, I'm, <laughs> like seriously, like I'm, I'm willing to back myself on this. You're like, you know, to the, the truth of the matter is, is like, I could have taken this in English only to a publisher and gotten a check for it and then had it go to the direct market and stuff. But that's not the audience that I, that I'm looking for. You know, like I, I could have made money in a hurry and there, and the direct market isn't interested in, in the version that I want to do, which is the bilingual flip book. And that's the exact reason I made the book is because the direct market isn't interested in it. <laughs> so here we are trying to sell it, you know, as a Kickstarter. And, you know, I have a lot of like friends, who were trying to give me advice about like, man, you should have just taken it to this publisher, that publisher, you could have made money, it would have done this. And I'm like, yeah, but are they going to print the bilingual book? I'm like, well, probably not because Spanish comics don't sell. And I'm like, because that's the conventional wisdom. I'm like, yeah, Spanish comics don't sell to the direct market. That's yeah. why I'm stepping outside the direct market. That's mm-hmm. why Kickstarter exists. But again, I don't know that the Latino audience is necessarily even in tune with like Kickstarter comics because I don't know how much of this has been created for them even on Kickstarter. But Luckily, I got Kickstarter. I got uh, one of their favorite projects. Like, I got to be highlighted as one of their favorites, which was cool. So I'm on that kind of like front page scrolling area of short list, if you will. Yeah, yes. which is great. So I mean, like, they're behind me, which is great. Uh, I just got like you know mentioned in a sci-fi article today about like nice. Kickstarters. Yeah, and that I actually literally someone else posted it because their comic was mentioned in it, and I went to check out their article and mine was in it. I'm like, oh shit! Like they didn't even tell me; they just did it. That's so, cool. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a lot of cool validation from people that I haven't paid to tell, you know, to, to, to get my message out there, you know? Yes. It's like, uh, uh, so I, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. I feel like there's validity to what I'm trying to do here. And I, and I just fucking know the audience is there. I just hope I can find them all in, in, uh, in 60 days, you know? <laughs> so that just allows me to take weekends off mostly is what that 60 days. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I can go skating in the morning. I don't have to do this all, you know, 20 hours a day. That's hilarious. Just, just tweet the hell out of it, Jay. Just, just yeah, you know, the, I, I kind of, you know, planned this in a way where um, I launched on a Friday and I kind of let the weekend be, let me allow, it was like a barometer for me to see what my social media reach would be, right? Like what my ability, my friends and family, social media ripple effect, like what that ends up being. And then, you know, this week is going to be kind of podcasting, getting out and being able to talk to people and kind of, you know, engage with uh, with audience kind of uh, cohorts, right? To kind of see what that does for me. And, and I'm definitely going to do like the, you know, like I'll buy some, you know, uh, Kickstarter ad, or I'm sorry, I'll buy some Facebook ads and some like, you know, Instagram ads and kind of, you know, try to get the message out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, I, I uh, you know, it doesn't mean no good to do it all at once. Right. Like yes, I, I, yeah. And I also kind of wanted to see what this first weekend would be just with like kind of friends and family, just to see if honestly, if it was kind of worth it. Like, you know, if I had made 500 bucks over the weekend, 
I might have been like, well, shit, I'm just going to let this thing run its course. Let's pack this bad yeah, boy exactly. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Circus is over. Yeah. <laughs> but I think being a quarter funded in five days has given me, you know, that has given me the, the resolve to, to see this through to the end. And I'm going to go down swinging, man. I mean, if I'm, you know, $50 short on the last day, like I'll, you know, I'll call my folks up and be like, hey, pledge 50 bucks or, you know, try to shake out whatever sofa cushions I have. Like I said, man, I'll, I'll, I'm going to do stuff aside from the Kickstarter to raise money and then just pledge it back into my campaign. Why not? Just, I mean, there's yeah. at some point though, I mean, it almost makes sense because you're, you're pot committed at that point to use like a poker term. Well, if it costs you 1500 bucks to get 40,000, then yeah. so be it Jedi. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. like the dark side of Kickstarter that I don't think people really talk about, but <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing, you know? Well, oh, the absolutely. other thing about yeah, yeah. Kickstarter, it has to be the other thing that they don't talk about is like, is like so so he's gonna get this now when when his book funds with his confidence which i yes. which i applaud which <laughs> i applaud you jay for that so um like people are gonna come up to you and be like man you big time now you like yes. made all that kickstarter money you'd be like nah man that paid for the book because yeah, yeah. that's where we are that's what happens to us people are like oh man you guys are doing great like you guys made x amount on kick mm-hmm. we we're like no man that, that paid for the book we we got the book that's what we got and they're like oh yeah. That's how that works. I'm like, no, that's how we did it because that's how that works. Yeah, that's how that so, works. Yeah, like, the, we, but we, the work has to be the reward, right? Yes. It takes me as long yeah. to do a single comic as it does to do twenty thousand comics, right? Like, no matter, you know, like it, it's still the same amount of work for me. You know, it's it, it to me. You know, like I just want, like, yeah, I just want to see the thing together and out in the world. And mostly, I just want to get it in the hands of people who like are gonna dig it, man. Like, because you know, I know it sounds sappy and like a like a like a PR point or whatever, but like, man, there's nothing better than like someone who's like, you know, bilingual or maybe speak Spanish only who comes up to me and is like, thank you. Like, this is, this was cool. This is what I wanted. Like, you know, thanks for making this thing that I've never seen before. Like, you know, that, that seems like this neglected area of, of storytelling. And you know, that, that, that's what I want, man. It's just my book out in the world. And so again, I'm willing to, to back it myself. I'm willing to kind of leverage my sanity against it. Cause I just, I just want it in a world that, that is horribly underserved by a market that, that preaches a lot of diversity, but doesn't engage in a whole lot of it. Well, we've talked about the process of, and the, the, I guess the barriers to creating it, but what is the book actually about? Okay, so it's about a, uh, well, so it's about Lucha Libre, I guess, overall, right? Okay. But specifically, it's about a once champion luchador who uh, who lives in the 1960s, in Mexico, in, in, uh, or Mexico of the 1960s. And uh, in this, it's kind of a, like an alternate version of like Mexico, like an alternate history version of Mexico, wherein everything of any kind of importance is settled by luchadors, right? So like any kind of, oh, it's telling me my state, my connection's unstable here, guys. Am I still here? Yeah, we yeah. still hear you. Okay, cool, man. I'm sorry. Like, I'm it's just okay. worried about this connection. So, all right. So, uh, so this is a Mexico where Lucha Libre is the most important thing that happens in that world. So if like my business wants to take over your business, like my luchador fights your luchador and whoever wins wins, right? Like, you know, <laughs> like awesome. laws want to get passed. It, it, anything of any kind of import, you know, is kind of like settled by luchador. So like in my head, Lucha Libre is, a, is as important in this world as like auto racing is in speed racing world, right? Like okay. It's the only okay. thing that happens in that world, right? So I wanted to like up the stakes of like what these guys, are, you know, what it means to be the champion there too, right? Is obviously a big deal. And so he's a champion and he uh, refuses to take a dive but his friends aren't too proud to take that money and betray him and unmask him in the ring. And so now you never get to be that guy again. Whoa. And so he's, he's just out for revenge, right? So he makes a Faustian bargain with this mysterious promoter rolls up and is like, hey man, I'll give you some new power and a new identity, you know, that of La Mano del Destino to get your revenge. And so like all good Faustian comic book bargains, he finds out pretty quickly that there's strings attached. So he's trying to like get out of his deal still get his revenge but also still remain the person he knows himself to be right because uh-huh. you don't want to like become such an animal and such a son of a bitch to getting your revenge that it it alters who you are fundamentally so you know and it all happens in this like really swanky jet age mexico where everything's just super modern for like 1964 you know what uh-huh. i mean it's, it's just uh it's a retro futurist view of what the world could have been in it totally has the um new frontier vibe to it yeah, yeah, that's you exactly know? what I was going yeah. for. Yeah, just that like uh, jet age Mexico is what yeah. I like to call it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and so I mean, and then because it happens in the '60s, I wanted the art style, like we talked about it being like very Kirby influenced, very mm-hmm. 
Silver Age storytelling. Uh, it, it looks like that, but I also produce it in such a manner where the like the blacks aren't quite 100%. And there's a lot of picking in them, and they, they overprint. You can see the colors behind the blacks to a degree, like you would in an old comic book, and it's on uncoated paper, so it feels and smells like an old comic. So it, I literally wanted to create a relic from a time that didn't exist, right? Because you know I wanted to give people an experience more than I just want to tell them a story. Like I yes. don't want to just walk them through the events. I'm like, here, like look, feel, smell this whole thing, and then get immersed in this world. And that's why the color palette is so limited and unique to, to kind of like you know culture and the, the Luke Libre culture. You know, it's like, I, I really wanted, again, I wanted to confess my artifice from the, from the get-go. Like, this, this is a, a, a story, but then just enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, there's obviously, there's, there's twists and turns. I also wanted to create characters who were aware. Oh, so, in addition to the Silver Age look, I also do that kind of operatic, bombastic Stanley dialogue. Like, everybody talks <laughs> like they're making declarations, you know? So, like, it, it, I got to tell you, man, writing like Stanley is the funnest thing in the world. Just, you know, <laughs> a, the purveyor of purloined promises just feels good <laughs> and so I, I do a lot of that but um you know and, and but i also wanted these guys to kind of be aware of like comic book tropes so like it's obviously he's just kind of like level his way up to a boss fight kind of stuff mm-hmm. so at some point i wanted the bad guys to go like look he's just working his way toward us we need to cut him off now you know like yeah, 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 yeah. the next guy like that's exactly what he wants us to do just you know, like I, I wanted them to acknowledge that, you know, like everyone's got motivations and, and you know, no one's really blind to that sort of thing. But like, you know, so, uh, yeah, it, it does. It is. It's a subversion of tropes by fully embracing them. I guess. <laughs> that's it's perfect. Just, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's wonderful. It's one. It's wonderful when comics know their comics. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, sure. it's, it's the best. Yeah, you know? I, I love movie ass movies and I love comic ass comics. Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, like I said, uh, El Mano del Destino is on Kickstarter right now. You can go there and back this book. It's a beautiful book. Uh, we're really happy that this thing is hopefully going well. I mean, and there's no hopes about it. Like, you've yeah, already said this fun. thing's yeah. done. Like, this is over. He's got this. Happen. You know? By, by hook or by crook, man. I'm going to make it <laughs> He's got a pay window, baby. A pay that's window. right. Yeah. Well, Jay Gonzo's book. And I got to tell you. That fucking Kickstarter video is like Spielberg pr- uh, presents, oh, my friend. That thing dude, is beautiful. That's the first video I've ever done for anything. Damn. Uh, but I, well, I mean, I so let me back that up. So I worked in advertising for like thirty years. Okay. Um, so I, I have. How like, old are you, man? You can't. Uh, oh, no, I mean, <laughs> you I don't have to like, say. <laughs> I, I, I'm 46, so I guess it's closer to. Uh, I get when I was 19, so yeah, it was like 20 or 30. I guess 27 years. I'm not quite okay. sure. Uh, but um, yeah, so I mean, I, I have, uh, I've worked with directors and I've worked, like I've done TV commercials and infomercials and things like that. I have creative directed stuff before, but I've never, uh, I've never done anything with my own equipment. Like, I've, and that's the thing too, that kind of bums me out is like, I'm so used to like, well, let's just get a red and Alexa and we'll like, we'll get out there. And, you know, and now I'm like, well, I'm not running any of that. So I literally, <laughs> my son has a GoPro. And I knew I was going to have to kind of get shots of like drawings and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. like that overhead shot of me explaining a demo, it's like, I didn't want to borrow someone's like camcorder and have to like somehow hold it above what I was doing. So I'm like, yeah, the GoPro will be fine. Like I can just use that. It's, it's portable. It's in its small. I can pull the SD card, load it right into a uh, premiere. I've got the Adobe suite because I work in, you know, work in advertising. Of course I have the creative suite. So um, yeah, man, I just, I shot it all on a, on a GoPro and I just, I, I, I have just, I was just learning how to do like color correction, how to like, that's awesome. Life how to do any of that stuff and i just watched i've you know probably 20 hours of youtube videos on like how to make videos <laughs> and i thank you so much for saying that it looks nice though yeah dude it's it great. looks great dude. it looks yeah, great it's yeah, a really because, good video that's the one thing that we have like real big problems with when we do ours is we're like not sure what people want to see or don't see so we're like do we just do us talking or do we do this or <laughs> yeah. what do we do do we do the more shots of the book than than us being ridiculous like because i don't know what's gonna sell it more but like us talking yeah, it's a, about it's a damn good looking video man it it's is. like yeah it looks good well you yeah, have I'm, a cool day job already don't you you're, you're a tattoo artist right yeah well it's less of a day job and more of a part part-time thing like I, i've always tell people that being a tattoo artist is a lot like being a, an auto mechanic or a drug dealer when you're when your friends know that you can do it they don't let you stop doing it yeah so, <laughs> so like, i uh yeah I, I tattooed for um like you know when i probably like from 21 to to almost 30 i was like in a shop but i was still doing like advertising on the side at that point then i had a kid and i got like full-time into advertising i got like a real jobby job type job and had that but still i was like tattooing on the weekends it was tattooing people like i still had a spot at a shop so i would just you know tattoo here and there and then kind of depending on like what my income flow is i'll, I'll 
spend more or less days in the tattoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's something like, you know, you know, I've been doing that for like Jesus since I was 21 and I'm 46 now. So I've been doing that for 20, 25 years. <laughs> That's awesome. That doesn't sound like anything. I, that doesn't sound possible. Yeah. So I've been doing that for 25 years. And I'm just a really comfortable place where, like, I, you know, I have a small portfolio and I have like, a, you know, like an Instagram account and people follow me. But more often than not, I'm just tattooing friends of friends of people who've like heard of me. And I'm not really auditioning for stuff anymore. Like, if someone's like, hey, you know, like, how much for, or like, can I see your portfolio? If someone at this point asks to see my portfolio to get tattooed from me, I'm like, I'll get tattooed from someone else. Like, I don't like. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't mean to be a dick, but I'm like, dude, if I don't know you well enough for you to know how, how well I tattoo and you want me to like audition for you, then you're like, I'm offer only, baby. Get the fuck out of here. Like, go, <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Go get one of your Instagram follow, you know, tattoo guys. Awesome. So it's just, you know, uh, yeah. So, but I, I, I do enjoy doing it. The, the pandemic has obviously curtailed that to a degree. Like the, the shop I'm in now is closed for two months and we're back to like everybody's in a mask one person at a time now. And I, yeah. I did some last week and I'm doing some, you know, but that's the thing too is man, uh, at some point in my life, you know, tattooing was this really marginalized kind of like biker, punker, dirty thing that happened off in the, the margins of society. And, and then um, and then there's TV shows about them. You know, now you can get into tattooing like it's fucking Star Trek. And uh, I just can't, you know, like everybody wants to be a tattoo artist, but nobody wants to tattoo, you know, and, and, yeah, I, just, and I just want to tattoo. man. so whenever like people ask about me or what, you know, like, like oh, oh, who are you? What do you do? I'm like, I'm nobody. Like I always like I love being nobody in the business. Like, I, That's I'm, awesome. I'm, it's the most workman thing I like to do because it is very zen. It's like I do, you know, draw, do the drawing, you know, like I, I, I want everyone to be happy, right? Like I'm not such a rock star that like, you're, you know, you're going to get what I want to put on you. No, it's like I want what I do to be what you want and I want you to be comfortable and, and happy with the end result because you have it for life, right? And so it's it's the most kind of like um, kind of service thing that I get to do, right? And, and, and I want the whole experience from like getting the drawings done to like the price on the tattoo. So I'm not... And I, I'm pretty cheap because, again, like I make my money doing other stuff. So it's like, <laughs> I just want a tattoo. So I'm like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, shit, I thought it was going to be twice that. I'm like, yeah, I just want a tattoo, man. Like, I don't, I don't need to, like, you know, price gouge you on this. That's but, awesome. um, yeah, it's cool. And honestly, that kind of like, you know, how everyone's like, oh, it's such a cool, like, lifestyle. Like, my wife's a piercer. And it's like, God, he only knew the ins and outs of, like, what it took, like, the, the, the hours of boredom of sitting around the shop <laughs> and the, the hassles of having to deal in, like, a post-Instagram tattoo society or piercing society. You know, like, someone comes in with a phone and they're like, I want that tattoo. And I'm like, well, the person with that tattoo doesn't want you to have that tattoo, I guarantee <laughs> you. And you have to explain to them, well, that's a bad idea. So, um, yeah, I, I dig it. I dig doing it. But it's not really, like, my main gig anymore. Honestly, I, I, I extracted myself from advertising about three years ago like i had been you know but i haven't had a i've been an employee in more than 10 years now i think 2008 was the last time i had a real like i was an employee like someone was my boss kind of thing. Uh -huh. so i've just been freelancing around advertising but also doing a lot of illustration work as i freelance in advertising doing like creative direction art direction a little bit of design but mostly creative and art direction because you know i've been doing it forever and then um i was i kind of got to a point with the company uh for about a year I was like, what was there one day a week and then twice a week and then three days. And then at some point I was like there five days a week. And then they gave me like a parking pass. I'm like, I don't work here. Like, why do I have a parking <laughs> pass? <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm a like, rebel, man. I'm out of here. Well, not like that. It I'm was just kidding. Like, they were starting to like ask me why I wasn't at like uh, meetings or something. Like, well, why aren't you at the traffic meeting this morning? And I'm like, they don't work here and I don't get paid for meetings. Like I'm hourly. <laughs> like I don't, I can't invoice you for a for me unless you want to let me invoice you for meetings and then i'll be here for every meeting I'm like oh yeah you're right like yeah just come in at 10 then because like you know they, everyone's there at nine and they have their 9 30 traffic meeting and nothing happens till 10 so i'm rolling in at 10 and they're giving me shit for being late and i'm like i don't fucking work here so um <laughs> you know i just uh at some point I was like, uh, I just kind of storage jobs and I took a little vacation and I came back and they were getting a little light on work. And then, um, I got an illustration gig that was going to kind of keep me busy for like six or six, to eight months. And they, they called me on like a Monday. We're like, Hey, can you, are you are coming in today? I'm like, no, nah, actually I'm not, not anymore. I'm not. <laughs> and then, uh, it was like good to have that kind of like, fuck you money. And so then I started doing, like I did that illustration gig for those, I think it ended up being like eight months. And then I had lined up another one right after that. And then like two, two years went by and I just, didn't need to do advertising. I got a couple phone calls for people to come, you know, come do some freelance work. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm good. And then uh, I, I did go back to do illustration for advertising agencies. Like, I, I kind of, that's my deal with them now. Like, if you need someone to do like storyboards, or you need someone to do illustration that you're actually going to use as an art element with some ads, or you need someone to do like marker comps for like an RFP that you guys are doing, like, I'll come in and do that because that shit gets done. Like that stuff 
when you're done with it, you're done with it. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. To them and they're done. Advertising is so fucking open-ended and everyone's got an opinion. And it's like the illustration part of it, like the marker renderings and comps and like, I get to be in charge of that and no one second guesses me. You know what I mean? Like no one, no one's talking to me about like, you know, perspective lines or anything. Like, <laughs> but I, you know, if I'm trying to come up with like a campaign initiative for someone's like, you know, national strategy or something like I got, I got AEs talking to me about font choices. I'm like, fucking really? Like, you know, I, I thought after 25 years, I got to be an expert in this sort of thing, but it turns out I needed to be the marketing director for a movie theater. That makes me an expert. So, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I just, uh, I turned into a grumpy old man, I guess, when it came to advertising. It, it is not something you want to spend 25 fucking years and I'll tell you that much. Like, I, I've heard somewhere there's like a stat where like either you spend four years in advertising or you spend 30 years in advertising. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, I did my close to 30 and I'm out. And like when I tell people and I still know in the industry that I'm at, like, oh, where are you at now? Because they'll ask me like, you know, everyone's always fishing for either to get a better gig or to pull you away from a gig, right? So I'll run into like some of my ad friends and the first, the question is always like, where are you at? I'm like, oh man, I'm not, I'm nowhere. I'm just doing illustration now for a living. And they just, you see this, like, like their face lights up like, oh, really? Like, you can do why, that? What? You can just not do advertising? Like, yeah, man, there, there, there is life after advertising. That's you know, all. And there's life on Kickstarter, my man, and you are crushing it. This thing is going to be live for the next 50 days. El Mano del Destino, our boy, Ajago. Uh, well, fuck, I just, I just wanted to call you Jay Gonzalez, but that's not your name. You're just Jay Gonzo. That's yeah, your yeah, professional yeah. name. I almost went with your real name that people can't know because they'll find you, and then they'll drag you back into advertising. Like he's yeah, an unmasked exactly. luchador. <laughs> exactly. He was, yeah. he was the, the, ad, the advertising luchador, but he got unmasked, so now he has to be like... Now I have to be like Jay Gonzo. No, actually, people in advertising <laughs> just call me Gonzo. Like my business is Jay Gonzo Designs, but uh, I should say too, it's it's La Mano del Destino. Oh, like, excuse me. I don't me. know why. Yeah, Spanish is weird. Uh, it like based on the rules, yes, it should be L, but it's not. Yeah, it's yeah, because that's I took I took eighth grade Spanish. Guy, yeah. I took eighth grade Spanish. Yeah. Mono yeah. is masculine, friend. But like, go to a bathroom where this, <laughs> this sign says all employees must wash their hands. Yes. Well, I say, Las Manos, yeah. Las Manos, I was Las Manos. I'm not going to correct you. You're a native speaker. I'm just some idiot who oh. took it in eighth grade. Yeah, I speak terrible Spanish. Like, I'm a high-functioning pocho. Yeah, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. Si hablo un poquito español y muy mal, pero estoy aprendiendo. Like, I know enough to sound like I kind of know what I'm doing. But I know what you said, though. That's I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I got it. I don't ask it. me to repeat it, but that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like and my pronunciation's fine. I just I don't have a vocabulary to back it up. <laughs> and it's not machine gun Spanish because. Oh um, yeah, it's Spanish. I mean, it's my my Spanish. sister's husband is was Dominican, and oh, and yeah. his family speaks machine gun Spanish, and they're like, "Did you did you catch that basically?" And I'd be like, "Uh, uh no, un pequeño." Like I got yeah. a little like because one one of his one of his relatives barely speaks any English, so it was like. I didn't catch all of it. Like you have to say it again because she understand English, but she can't speak it. So yeah, it's like Spanish gets really fast. Like Cubans and Dominicans and like I think Puerto Ricans are maybe a little slower, but I, I definitely I can't follow a Cuban. Like they, they're oh way my, too fast for me. So fast, I would be <laughs> like, oh my goodness! I caught like I'd be like this. I caught that much of it. Yeah. Legit. They also like, have a different slang and dialect. So yeah, I should also I I mean since we're talking about this, so the. Spanish that I'm translating the, the flip book into, so that the, the Spanish half of the book is, is Mexican Spanish. Okay. okay. And not uh, not like, you know, like a Spain Spanish or like Argentinian Spanish, that kind of like highfalutin Spanish. No, it's 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 Mexican Spanish. It's <laughs> yeah. highfalutin Spanish. That's yeah, Argentinian. like hoity-toity. Well, uh, like Spain got corrupted by that that king who had the list, right? So he had like your, you know, Pothada and Barcelona. So like they kind of all carry a little bit of a list of the way they speak. But Argentina has like a lot of um, European, like Spain Spanish were there for so long, they almost completely displaced the indigenous people. Like they're almost completely like, yeah. But um, they, so they speak like a very kind of distilled, uh, preserved version of Spanish. <laughs> so much so that like Spanish and Mexican and like even like, you know, all South American, like a lot of their newscasters will come study Spanish in Argentina to get that crisp kind of like clean, clean wow. Spanish snap. Yeah. Uh, which is part of their yeah, but they also have like they like to pretend that they're European, so they. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it is a uh, it, it's a highfalutinness that I don't that I can't abide, but, uh, <laughs> but the language is beautiful. Yeah. Well, check yeah, this packing order for sure. <laughs> check this book out on Kickstarter. Jay, thank you so much for coming on, man. That was that was a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys.
All right, and that was Jay Gonzo talking about La Mano del Destino. That is live right now on Kickstarter. Head over there and back his book because it is awesome. I only have the first issue. How many do you have, Kevin? I have like three of them. Okay, because I'm so, definitely going to back this thing because it looks awesome. I definitely, I, I definitely am too because I definitely want to see the whole thing in a trade and yeah. to have a bilingual trade is pretty neat. Yeah. So you can also get a wrestling mask. How cool is that? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I would just be wearing that to every show we went to. <laughs> and Jay seems I can't like a, do it. Jay seems like a really cool dude. Uh, you'd be st- you'd be stealing somebody else's gimmick, so you can't. That's gimmick infringement, bro. Wearing a wrestling mask. Every wearing show? his wrestling mask. Yeah. I would wear whatever wrestling. I would you'd get my own get, one made. I yes, would get one with a shark on it. Yes, made you'd have something. to get your own wrestling mask. You couldn't wear Jay's because again, that would be gimmick infringement. So yeah, yeah. yeah. or would it be advertising? It's a it's a thin line. You'd have to. It's ask. a thin line, friend. Have, I think you'd have to ask. That'd be that'd be his decision. But yeah, man. So Jay was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And we'll be back next week with some uh, other wonderful guests. Uh, but yeah, man, we 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 really appreciate you listening. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, go get yourself a luchador mask. Yeah, buddy. You're listening to the Word Bros podcast. The Word Bros dot com. <laughs>